Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. This episode of Military Wife Life is proudly brought to you by Defence Bank. Serving those who protect us, Defence Bank have the largest on-base branch network with 37 locations around Australia. They have Army, Air Force and Navy covered. To find your closest branch, visit defencebank.com.au. Welcome, Belinda Johnston, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Hi, Beck, and thanks so much for inviting me to chat with you today. So your husband was appointed Vice Chief of the Defence Force in 2018 and obviously has a long list of achievements within Defence. You don't get to a position like the Vice Chief of the Defence Force without a lot of hard work and sacrifice. He's had deployments, operations, a commendation for distinguished service, and the list goes on. But military members don't usually have a list of achievements like that without the support of their spouse and their families. When you were in the thick of kids and career and moving and all that comes with defence life, what did it take on your part to be the one holding down the home front? That's a really interesting question that you ask. And I guess it's not one that I've actually thought too much about because I just wake up every day and deal with what's sort of happening in front of me. But when I do think about it, I think it's probably a bit of a team effort. David and I are partners in this adventure called life. And I've always had a say or a choice in the decisions that we make. And yes, there's been some really significant challenges at times, but there's also been so many rewards. Because the fun that I've had and particularly the friendships that I've made and just in particular some amazing women that I've met embarking on this military life, they're really beyond what I would have imagined. So I guess it's been a bit of give and take and sometimes it's been my role to keep things running at home and there's been other times when David's done it so I can pursue something I either needed to do or I wanted to do. So what were the first few years of being a defence spouse like for you? or two were actually not so different from prior to meeting David or, or marrying him. I was actually in my hometown, which was Sydney, and I had my job that I really loved and I had all my school friends and my university friends. So when David was away, which he was, David's in the Navy, so he was doing naval deployment, I had all my usual networks around me. Also, I was really keen to travel. So I was really looking forward to moving to a new town. So as it turned out, my first move with David was to the USA. And when we got there, I really threw myself into the community and I did some volunteer work there and I made some great friends and friends that we're still in contact with to this day. And people just loved my very strange accent. And I even got to work in the American health system while I was there, which was professionally really good for me. You've worked when you're, you've been in Australia on postings and overseas. So you understand the challenge of maintaining a career as a partner. Can you tell us some of the challenges that you might have faced along the way while living defence life alongside your career? Sure. Look, there are challenges. I acknowledge that. And they're particularly in regard to work. So i work in the healthcare sector. I'm an occupational therapist. 
And moving to the United States, I had to study for the first six months when we got there to take a registration exam. And then certainly each time that we've moved into state in Australia, I've had to reinvent myself professionally as I couldn't always work in the area of practice that I had experience in. Also, once we had children, the reality of stints as the only parent at home brought challenges to full-time work. But On the upside, it actually became a necessity for me to network with other parents and some of them were military parents, but also civilian neighbours and friends who were single mums. And we all knew that we were in this together and we'd pick each other's kids up and we'd feed them and we'd take them to footy and hockey training. And in retrospect, it was a lot of fun. It was a great time of life. And also, through no design of my own, really, my CV or my resume really impresses people because I have so much experience in so many different fields, both here in Australia and internationally. So I guess the message there is you make an asset of what comes your way and you highlight those experiences. When you were going to different postings and moving overseas and all of those aspects of defence life, how important did you feel that it was for you to be able to continue to focus on your career as opposed to just thinking, oh, it's just too hard. I'm throwing my hands up. I have to do this extra study and I've got the kids and I have to work all of this out. I don't even have any friends, even though probably would have been an extra challenge to maintain that side of life. How important was it for you to be able to continue to focus on your career? I've always been very career-minded and I really enjoy my work and I enjoy what I do with the people that I work with. However, it comes back to choice and I was never made, you know, I never had to move somewhere because I didn't have a choice in that. So I sort of weighed all those things up and I looked at, well, and I guess I tried to see the opportunities in it as well. So at times you'll be really enjoying your job. But if you have to go somewhere else, maybe that's a time that that job comes to an end and you look onto the opportunities ahead. And where I couldn't do paid work because of just different circumstances and my time availability, I made sure I got involved in other activities that gave me meaning. So it's about having things that you want to get up out out of bed each morning to go and do. Yeah. And those other opportunities would, like you mentioned, also create a network around you and this person knows that person. And before you know it, you found a job at somewhere you didn't even know existed because someone recommended you. Or You are absolutely right. And in fact, it's interesting how many times I've landed in jobs because I've just been talking to someone or talking to a friend and They've heard that I've moved there and Belinda has these skills and someone will give me a call. So, yeah, the networking is so important, not just with your military friends, but getting out and joining community groups and talking to people. So can you talk us through a homecoming that maybe stood out for you and your family? There were quite a few, but I guess the one that springs to mind in the current sort of pandemic that we're going through at the moment was a naval deployment that David did where a significant incident occurred while the ships were away and the ship's return was delayed. So as the end date just kept extending out week after week, we were watching birthdays go by and we missed a wedding anniversary and then we started into the end of year Christmas concerts that the kids had at school and, and they were all things that we thought David would have been there for. 
And we kept wondering if he was going to get back in time for Christmas. And the reason I think of this particular homecoming is because of the uncertainty that when you don't know an end date is really hard on kids, but it's really hard on adults too. And I know people use things like the countdown lolly jar or the links on a paper chain so kids can understand how long it's going to be to wait. And you get to the point where you have to sneak in at night and put some extra lollies in the jar or add links on the chain. And it's what so many families are going through right now. So many families have loved ones in Victoria working with the COVID assist activities. And there's hundreds of defence people posted around the world with their families back here who don't know when they'll be coming home. And there's also families that are posted overseas that have sent their children back for boarding school and they don't know when they're going to see them. And that's before I even sort of acknowledge all the many, many people that are doing MWDU, which for the people who don't use acronyms, that's members with dependents that are unaccompanied and they're prevented from reunion travel due to the state border closures at the moment and it's incredibly difficult and unsettling for all these families. I guess my message to them would be if they need some help to ask someone, certainly during that time, I talk to my friends about the fact, oh, we don't know when David's going to come home. And you'll actually be really surprised how much friends and neighbours are really willing to help. And you can also ring or email the Defence Family Helpline, which is 1800 624 608, and they can point you in the right direction of the options that you have. And the other thing is to families to stay informed, to know what's happening in those deployments that their loved ones are involved in. So signing up for Forcenet or tapping into some of the helpful sort of social media resources and such as your podcast, Beck. You mentioned as well the uncertainty, like those last few days when you think they're coming home or the last few weeks and you have that roundabout date because you never in your mind think it's going to definitely be that day, but you have a roundabout time. And then when it does, like you mentioned, get extended and you're thinking, well, they were supposed to be back for this and now we're getting close to, and I hadn't even pictured in my mind that I would be doing this bit by myself and I'd only sort of built myself up to lasting for those six or seven months or however long they've been away. And then just to go day by day with that uncertainty and you're reaching your limits. And you mentioned accepting that help. Lots of people can offer the help, but it takes us accepting that help. I completely agree there. Look, I have several friends that are in this situation at the moment and they've written a list and put on the fridge of all the computer things they need to fix because their partner was going to turn up and those things haven't happened. And I guess, again, it's it's accepting that help. And I have, you know, in the past, I remember the whole, you know, the pantry door fell off. And I didn't know how to put the pantry door back on. I had to, you know, I needed tools and things like that. And another military family, we'd all look after each other around. My friend's husband came with his tools and his tool belt and suddenly the pantry door was fixed better than it ever was. So yeah, doing that and I have friends who they would come up, uh, we all had our complementary skills and one friend, she was not scared of spiders. I am scared of spiders. <laughs> so she would come and kill spiders or change light clothes in spider web ridden light fittings. Yeah. And um, I would mow her lawn because she didn't like mowing the lawn. So working together and, and that's how we get through this. Yeah. And of course, it's not really about the pantry door or the light bulbs. Like obviously all of us independent partners can figure it out, but it's just the fact that we've got so many other things that we're juggling. We just can't stretch our capacity to figure out that pantry door or the light bulb or the fact that it's in our face and it's reminding us that they're not here to fix it. 
Yeah, and people get a lot of joy from helping other people. Well, I know I get joy from helping people. So I think, as you say, it's really important to reach out and accept help. So do you feel it's important that the defence member involves the family by including them in all that they're doing? So promotions, goodbyes and homecomings, their achievements and and those moments are whole family achievements and moments due to the sacrifices made by the family. How important do you think it is that the whole family is included in all of those milestones? I think it's great when families share milestones together, not just around their work, but also whether that's birthdays and christenings and graduations. And I always really like to try and attend the events that are significant for David where I can. And often because it's actually nice to spend some time together as well. You know, if he says, would you like to come along to this? And I think, well, yeah, you know, I haven't spent much time with you this week. Let's go along. That's great. But he also tries to attend significant events for me and for our children. And I really like attending Anzac Day ceremonies. And I'm always up for a parade because I'm a bit of a band music tragic. But I have to say, I also have friends that are very keen to keep their life and their military life quite separate. And they consider that that's their partner's job and they have their own job and their life and they really want to keep it that way. And I think it's actually really important to respect that. So I guess that neither option is the right or the wrong one. I think it's more about people having that choice. But can I actually just say, we often think of military families as being partners, but I guess I want to add in that don't underestimate how engaged parents are with what their kids are doing. And the one thing I didn't realise until just recently was that Forcenet is actually available to all family members, not just partners. So I've been prompting David recently to get his mother involved with that. Hey, Military Wife Life community, I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about the Defence Bank Foundation and the great work they're doing in the defence community. The foundation raises funds to support serving and ex-serving ADF members living with injuries or illnesses such as post-traumatic stress disorder. In 2019, the sole beneficiary of the foundation was the Defence Community Dogs Program, a specialised dog training program which rescues abandoned dogs and trains them through correctional services. 40 service dogs have been trained and given to veterans since the Defence Bank Foundation was established. The program gives dogs, inmates and veterans a second chance at life. Because, of course, you now have a daughter as well who's serving in the Australian Defence Force. So what is it like coming at defence life from the perspective of a spouse but then also a parent of someone in the ADF? I actually think that being a defence parent is quite different to being a defence partner. I'm always very supportive of David and what he achieved, but I was not prepared for how very proud I would be of my daughter's achievement. And I have to add, add here how very proud I also am of the achievements of my son, who's not a defence member, but is also doing wonderful things. I don't know, maybe we take a little bit more ownership when it's our kids doing these things. And I guess the other thing is I'm really pleased that Defence and DCO, the Defence Community Organisation, recognise that defence families are not just one size fits all, as they might have done in the past. So the male member and a wife and two kids and a dog. But defence families 
come in all shapes and sizes and they're all as important as each other. And defence parents are just as engaged, as I said before, in what the ADF are up to as defence partners are. So if there are any parents listening, I'd like them to know that they can also access information and support from defence through DCO and that it's not just the members and partners and children. Yeah, because of course, some of the recruits coming through are 17, 18. And as a parent myself, I could only imagine that at that age, I'm still wanting to sort of have information about what they're doing, where they're going, because at that stage, they're not completely sure about what information they need and, and what they should be accessing. Exactly. And I don't think that hit home to me until I had one of my children in the Defence Force, how important that was. So you were appointed to the role of Defence Community Organisation Patron. Can you talk us through what that role involves? Yeah, it was a real privilege to be asked to become the patron last year. And I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar, but for somebody who isn't, the DCO, it's often known as DCO, and I will say DCO, but it's the Defence Community Organisation, and they're a branch of the Department of Defence, and they're staffed by both the military members and civilian defence employees, and they're providing support to defence members and their families. And this role allows me to get out in the community and talk with ADF families, even if they've been virtually for the last few months. But I managed to attend a couple of the DCO welcome events at the beginning of the year, and Through meeting people, I can share information to them about DCO and what it does, but also I get a really good opportunity to hear from them and provide that feedback to DCO from families and I don't underestimate that role at all. The ADF lifestyle sort of presents a range of opportunities and challenges for families and in this role I'm able to connect with a wider range of families and support them by listening to them and sharing my experiences and as you can probably hear I'm always happy for a chat so I'm always very happy for people to approach me and ask me what they would like and I'm happy to talk to them especially about DCO. The importance of of talking to various spouses and, and family members is in the fact that sometimes, well, most of the time we do have to rely on the member to get that information from them or to initially find out that we need to sign up for Forcenet or the newsletter or whatever the case may be. So it can never be assumed that all spouses and all family members know about what DCO offer and and what's available. So getting out there and talking to people is another way of them being able to learn about what support and services are available. I think that's very, very true. I think that there's so many things available for people, but people often don't know what they are. And I think if we find out about them, that they may not be something that we need to know about, but they may be what the person that we're standing next to, you know, at the netball court needs to know about. So you can bring it up and we have so much new technology now and that's fantastic, but don't underestimate word of mouth. So spouses all experience the various aspects of defence life in their own ways and sometimes it is challenging and what rank your partner is, whether they're just starting out or are the vice chief of the defence force, doesn't lessen the impact of those highs and lows because hard is hard. Like if your partner goes away for four weeks and everything happens in those four weeks and that's going to be harder than the six-month deployment where everything just sort of sailed through and you cruise through it. So have you made use of any of DCO services or events in the past in order to help with the demands and challenges of defence life? Well, this is where I'm showing how old I am, but certainly in 
pre-DCO day, <laughs> I was involved in different group activities, particularly things like ship's contact groups or the original Marilla House over in Western Australia. And they were some of the things that sort of separate services were providing. And then that all gathered together just about 24 years ago. So apart from the activities that are related to my patron role, probably my most significant interactions with DCO recently have been in relation to the Australian Military Wives Choir, and that's supported by DCO's family support funding. And what I love about the choir, apart from the fact you don't have to be a good singer to join us, is that you might have had a really bad day or you're missing a partner or the kids have been a nightmare and the woman that you sit next to at choir just gets it and then you get to sing beautiful music together. And, and so it's about the friendship and support. And certainly through the years, I've taken my kids along to defence family activities. So I've taken my kids to Luna Park a couple of times in Sydney for DCO welcome events. And I used to always find we'd get along there and someone would run into someone that I hadn't seen for years that we'd known in a posting somewhere else. And that was just fantastic. And my kids, even though they're grown up now, really fondly remember those events. But although I'm not really at a time in my military life journey, you know, to need many of the current services, because I'm getting to meet lots of families who have younger children or have no children at all and need to make contacts or are parents of defence members or they've just posted in or they're just about to post somewhere else or they're in the process of planning to transition from full-time service. I try to sort of keep across what DCO is offering so I can let people know about it. So, And I imagine at some stage, David and I will be accessing the transitions program so that we can plan what life will look like after defence. And that's a key program provided by DCO. So there have been things that I tap into. And as we were saying, it's about letting people know about them. And if you don't know, you can't join in. But I've also tapped into the ADF Family Health Program. So if any of your listeners don't know about that one, I encourage them to Google it and look into it. Yeah, it's really surprising how many people don't know about it. And it's really beneficial. really surprising. I'm, yeah. I'm quite yeah, amazed. If there were new spouses listening or parents of new ADF members listening, what would be the initial services you think that you'd be encouraging people to access? Like, is it important firstly to get on their local DCO's newsletter list or like what initially should they be doing to make contact with DCO or even find out what is available to them through DCO? I guess I couldn't say there's one particular thing because everybody's different and everybody's in a different circumstance of what is their need at the moment. So I guess I'd be encouraging your listeners to have a look at the DCO website, first of all, and various social media channels that they have, whether you're into Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And particularly as we were alluding to before, like even if you don't need any support at the moment, if you see the range of activities and support that's available, you can know that that if something comes up later, you know that's available to you. And the thing I'd like to emphasize is that DCO is not just for a crisis. They can be very helpful in a crisis, but don't wait until a crisis comes along to become familiar with what they're offering. So for example, you could ring the helpline. These are just some things you could but you could ring them in a crisis, absolutely. 
but you could ring them when you want to know what sort of childcare is available in the posting locality that you're just about to move to or the Partner Employment Assistance Program. There are those who refer to it as the PAP because Defence loves an acronym. It helps ADF partners become job ready. So partners can apply for PAP to access up to $1,500 of employment services or which schools have defence school mentors in where you're going or what the supports are for special needs in your new locality or what activities are available for you to form new network or friendship groups. You know, as I mentioned, I'm a member of the Australian Military Wives Choir and the choir get is actually in 11 different locations. We're meeting virtually at the moment, but it's the sort of thing that if I move to a new location, I can go along to that choir. And I guess it's really important to get out and find out what's in your community. DCO may be able to steer you in the direction of what is out there. But the other thing I want to say is I acknowledge it's often really nerve-wracking to turn up at a group when you're new, and particularly if you're a bit new on this military life journey as well. But in my experience, the majority of military families and partners are really, really welcoming. And everyone understands that you've just arrived and you need a new friend or perhaps more importantly, you need a hairdresser recommendation. And equally, they know that you may leave again. And I feel like you never have to apologise to other military families that you weren't very good at keeping in touch because everyone gets it. And it's a case of, well, you're here now, you know, let's pick up where we left off. 2020 has been a very unusual year. And I know that no one could have predicted how our lives would have changed. And I know that many families are doing it tough at the moment, especially if they've got family and friends in Victoria or if their partner has been deployed and maybe their parents or extended families interstate and they can't visit. If they need any support, advice or need a friendly person to chat to, they can always call the Defence Family Helpline, which is 1800 624 608 and it's available 24-7. What does the near future hold for you and how does it work when your husband gets to the role of Vice Chief for the Defence Force? Are you sort of waiting around for posting orders? I, I doubt that, but what? how does it work? Well, you know, I'm going to be completely honest and say I have absolutely no idea. And I think the major lesson that 2020 has given us is that we have no idea what's going to happen next. And probably like many of your listeners, the COVID situation created actually a fair bit of change for me in my study and my work circumstances. So like the last 30 years, I'm adapting and I'm improvising and I'm shifting my business focus at the moment. So I guess what does life hold? I'll I'll be keeping in contact with friends and family as well as I can. I'm still finding the whole Zoom thing challenging, but I love phone calls and emails and texting friends and family and the group chat thing, you know, running hot on my phone. So I think many people's lives have been negatively affected by the pandemic. So I would just encourage everyone to see some of the opportunities in being at home a bit more. Someone told me recently that they've been learning a new language, which I think is very impressive. I've just, I'm starting small. I'm just trying to read a bit more and spend a bit more time with my dog. Well, I'll be completely honest with you. The task that gets me out of bed every morning is I have to let the chooks out. So, and if I don't, I hear some very, very loud squawking out there. I mean, and then that flows on to if there's eggs, then you can take the eggs and cook them for breakfast. And then that's a whole ritual. (laughs) And I can bake and I love to bake. 
And I have to say, chicken's a great conversationalist. So I really enjoy having a chat with them. I take my cup of tea down and I sit on the bench seat and I have a chat to them. They're good listeners. So isolation's doing you well. (laughs) Lockdown has changed you. You'll find me down with the chickens having a chat and listen, they talk back. So, well, you have summed it up perfectly, Beck. (laughs) And lastly, I guess you mentioned that you're a keen baker. So, what is it that gets David off the ship at the end of a, a separation or when he's been away for work or whatever he's doing? in his role, what is it that gets him home and he really wants you to bake for him? Ah, well, to be honest, his favourite is baked cheesecake, but that's not one of my specialties. So, but the specialty that I make that he really enjoys is lemon syrup cake, and that has three eggs in it. So, very yellow with my girls' eggs. And of course, it is very hard to compete these days because the quality of food on the ships is Five star. <laughs> My husband came back and I said, you, you're not getting anything. You've just eaten like a king. You're getting toast for dinner when you come back. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, they get to choose as well. You exactly. don't have to choose at home. You've got one option. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Belinda, and talking us through your experience as a military partner and now um, the parent of a military member and your role as the patron for Defence Community Organisation. Thank you. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 